Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good. Uh, this is a very exciting thing. Uh, I'll be preaching uh, this morning. Uh, so if you're going to fall asleep or look at your phone, I'm going to call you out. No, I'm not going to do that. You're fine. Uh, part of that. Part of my notes are also on my website. I'll share with you a little bit later on. But just uh, before we go into anything, I would like to uh, remind myself and remind everybody. Uh, there's a, a musician named Lecrae. I went to a concert uh, a long time ago. And in this concert, he was hanging out. Uh, so he was announced and he, you know, big old uh, stage and everything. and. The music started coming, and then he was, he was singing this song called I Could Play the Background. I don't know if you guys have heard of that song. I just want to remind myself and remind you that uh, the, part of the lyric says, I could play the background so that, because I know sometimes I get in the way. And this morning, uh, whatever I'm going to be sharing, I hope that I don't get in the way of whatever the Lord wants to speak to you this morning. Uh, before we go in, I, I'd like to pray real quick, and let's dive in. Dear Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity you've given me. Uh, to share the Word of God and share a little bit about my heart and what uh, you've done in my life, Lord. I pray that you would uh, speak to us and encourage us through the Word. We give you glory and honor. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, my sermon is going to be two-part. It might change later on. Uh, but at this point, it's two-part. The first part is going to be a little bit about my story and how I grew up. A lot of, most of you know uh, me, some of you I know even uh, deeper, but uh, a lot of you do not know about my testimony. And so I'm going to be sharing my testimony, and the second part uh, is going to be about missions. I have a, uh, I have a heart for missions. My, uh, I have a, a bachelor's degree in youth ministry and missions uh, from Calvary University, um, and it took more than normal to, for me to get, to the, get that degree, but that's another story for another day. Uh, so, talking about my story, uh, if you did not realize, I was born and raised in India. I'm an Indian national, and, uh, and I, 20 years of my life I lived in India. Uh, before, uh, and I was, I was born, born and brought up in a Christian home. My mom and dad loved the Lord. Uh, my dad is a police officer. Mom is a, a homemaker, but uh, I mean, we prayed every day. We read the Bible every day. Uh, and all of, the, all of the things that every Christian would do. But I did not know, I did not realize uh, what following Christ was, meant until I heard the gospel for the very first time. I don't know, I, I probably heard the gospel several times, but I happened to have, be paying attention that morning uh, when you know, the preacher was talking about Christ and how uh, Christ died for us. And so it blew up in my face. I'm like, man, I've been living all my life thinking I'm a Christian and thinking that, you know, if I don't read the Bible and I, for the day, God is going to find some ways to punish me that day. Uh, if I trip or fall or hurt myself, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's because I did not pray today. Uh, it, God doesn't work that way. If you think that way, please don't. Uh, but that's how I was thinking and I was, that's how I was living my life. And uh, when, I, when I heard the gospel message, it, it was amazing, and I, I thought, man, i got to change my life. And so I was 17, 17 years old, and go back to college. Uh, we call it college, but it's high school. Um, about to finish my high school there. And uh, 
I decided I love Jesus. I want to tell everybody about Jesus. So I'm going to go to uh, all these places and preach the Word of God and share the, share the Word of God and tell people about Jesus. So I got invited to this uh, party, a 17 years old. I was, you know, drinking age is 21. Uh, this bar, this private party I went, and I took this small little Bible, uh, you know, hoping that I would preach the preach the. Uh, word of God to somebody or witness to somebody there. But I happened, long story short, I did not preach it to anybody. I, I had, uh, end of the day, end of the party, somebody was challenging somebody how many beers they can chug. And so I had to obviously stand up and I was trying to prove a point to people and missed the whole point. So uh, then realizing slowly went into engineering, uh, I, I grew up in a very privileged home. My dad is a police officer, that, and he retired, he's retired as an inspector general of police. So it's a very high-level police job. So that, mean, that meant that I, I had a lot of privileges, uh, and I, I, did, I, I was really spoiled, spoiled, and I was a brat growing up. And when I, became, uh, when I became a Christian, one of the biggest things that was missing in my life was discipleship. So I heard the, I heard the gospel message, I became a Christian, but then nobody was there to disciple me or, or take me under their wing and say, hey, this is what it means to uh, follow Jesus. Uh, and in India, uh, there's 1.2 billion people. Uh, that's the second most populous country in the world. And out of that, there's about 80, 82% of them are Hindu people. Uh, Hinduism is prevalent. And 13% are, are Muslim. And around 2% are uh, Christian. And so in this, in this demographic, I grew up thinking, you know what, uh, what once I became uh, a Christian, I said, uh, I'm going to go preach the gospel to all these people. And I, I slowly fall, started falling off, falling away from the Lord because nobody was discipling me. And again, when, once, once, when I had the you know, life-changing experience where I decided to follow Jesus and then I started falling back, falling away from Christ, there was, it was about two years. And in that two years, I went from... So basically, before I was a Christian, I was actually better off living a lukewarm life and not going off the edge, but after I became a Christian, I went off the edge, like, really bad, because I did not have anybody to disciple me. So, uh, in, that, in that scenario, I fell away from the Lord, and after two years of living my life in sin, and I decided, and I, I, I just had a breaking point, and I was pursuing my second year of engineering, I said, you know what, I need a change in my life. I, it, w- it was nothing miraculous, God did not speak to me. Uh, audibly, there was no mirac- miracle that happened. It was me, sick and tired, and the Lord obviously is doing His will in my life. And I decided I'm actually going to stop this nonsense of a life where I'm living in sin. I need to get out of my surroundings where I'm surrounded with sin, move away from it. And so I decided, uh, and I joined an organization called Youth of the Mission. Uh, some of you might be familiar with it. And so I went into the to do the uh, to. Uh, do a course called Discipleship Training School. It's the beginning. Uh, if you want to get into Youth with the Mission, that's, that's the first school that you go through. It was an awesome school. It built a lot of my faith it, and gave, gave a lot of uh, answers to a lot of questions that I had. Uh, during this time, God started working in my heart, and God gave me a heart for uh, 
for the unreached people groups in India. Uh, there are about, by the way, do you, everybody know what an unreached people group is? Yes? No? Okay, an unreached people group is a people group that have not been reached with the gospel or there's no means for uh, Christians to be able to reach to these unreached people groups. So just a little bit of stats. This is, um, I have all these resources and stats and videos that I'm going to be sharing this morning on my website. It is integrity-tek.com forward slash church. You'll go and find all these resources. Uh, this is for later on if you want to do more research. But uh, basically, we have in India, there's 1.2 billion people, right? And out of that 20... 716 unreached uh, people groups are there, and out of that, uh, 2443 are unreached people groups. So there's about 89% of the total amount of unreached, uh, of, of the people groups that are not reached with the gospel. And there's several reasons why uh, they've not been reached, but the place where I'm from, a uh, state is called Andhra Pradesh, and that, uh, that state has 512 people groups, and out of that, 472 have not been reached. And going even deeper, where I'm, my family lives, it's called Vizag or uh, Vishagapatnam. There's about, where is that stat? My bad. Okay, there's a lot of people that are not reached, that's my point. So where, where I'm from, where, where my, my backyard is, so where my family lives, there's uh, at least a couple hundred unreached people groups in that area uh, that we can reach. And when I became a Christian, when I, uh, uh, when I decided to follow Christ the second time, I, what I did was I, after DTS, Discipleship Training School, I went to, uh, we did this awesome three-month course where Everybody's on fire for God. We want to go preach the gospel. We went and preached the gospel in Nepal. I spent uh, three months in Nepal uh, and speaking and preaching and reaching out to uh, university students. And so we went and stayed in Kathmandu, spent about close to three months, uh, and we, that's, what, that's what we did. And I loved every, every part of it, and we were talking and having real-time conversations with individuals about God and just basically going up and straight up talking about, hey, What's your faith about? And so there's a lot of Buddhists, there's a lot of Hinduism up in uh, Nepal as well. And so uh, we worked, I worked there, and God started shaping, um, shaping me through all those years. And uh, after, after I was done with Nepal, I wanted to pursue my undergrad because I, I dropped out of my engineering uh, degree. So uh, I talked to my parents, and my parents suggested me moving to the U.S. Uh, D.L. Moody Bible Institute in Chicago was one place that uh, I got an op opportunity to go to, but I chose not to go there because of a lot of reasons, but then ended up in Kansas City. That's where I met my beautiful wife, which most of you know, uh, Jaira, and, uh, and we got married there. And so before I got married, I had, the, I had a one-year, a six-month, one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year plan, what I was going to do. And guess what happened? didn't work. God had different plans. And so after we got married, there's a lot of, because of the intercultural stuff and there's a lot of differences, we had to, God, God started working our lives. And so we, uh, right now what I do is I don't do, um, I don't do full-time mi uh, ministry right now, but we have existing work that uh, I've been building and working with uh, several pastors uh, in India. 
and also we run a children's home. Uh, the story of, a children's, of our children's home is amazing. It's all God-ordained and God's will being done in these kids' lives. We started our children's home in 2010, and we went through, we had about 55 ch- uh, kids. Uh, when I say children's home, these are kids, semi-orphans. Uh, uh, some have parents, some, have, some don't have fathers. Uh, some are uh, pastor's kids where pastors cannot afford to take care of the children. And uh, some are fully orphaned kids. Uh, we went from, in 2010, we went from 58, uh, I believe. That was the highest we've had. Right now we have six at home. And all of them are fully orphans. My mom is the one who's running it and been taking care of it. The reason that we went down from these numbers to where we are right now is just because uh, running a children's home is a ministry and not a full-time job. It can never be a full-time job. Uh, I can, I mean, unless they're your own kids. And even if your own kids... I can't handle my own kids. So handling somebody else's kid because it's a full-time job, it doesn't work that way. You got to be called to be uh, called to do children's ministry. And so uh, uh, we have about six uh, six kids right now, and that's that's one amazing ministry that we're working with, and we continue to have a heart towards. The second thing that we do is we uh, are working with a lot of pastors. All these pastors do not have uh, do not get to pick and choose what. Uh, uh, carpet they're going to lay out for this next renovation they're going to have because they meet under trees. They uh, struggle for food every, uh, almost every month, and their, their means of income is their little half-acre farms. And my father-in-law and I, we've actually, uh, we are actually working. We have a heart for them, and we've, been, we've, we've gone back and forth and spent some time with these uh, farmer pastors uh, to enable them, use some, give them some uh, new techniques or modern techniques to uh, effi- uh, efficiently do their farming uh, and also sustain their family. And so uh, we have a pastoral care ministry that we take care of. And, we, I, and I, have, I have, my heart is for India. Uh, I grew up that way uh, when I became a Christian, when I uh, moved to the U.S. That was my heart, and that's, that's, that's where it's at. And I'm called, I feel, me, my wife and I feel very strongly called towards India and the people of India. And I, I have some stats about that in a video here soon, but uh, that's, that's a little bit about my story, and right now I run a marketing company. Never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing right now, uh, starting a company like this, and then also running a company in India. I started this very, very office in India where uh, we're hiring people there, and that office is supporting us. It's, uh, it's our way into India uh, business as missions. Uh, right now, uh, I don't know how many of you know about the political situation uh, of our uh, country, my country in India, is it's uh, very hostile towards Christianity. It's a Hindu national, nationalist party that's running the uh, government, and there's a lot of things that are happening in the past, for the past almost uh, seven years right now. Uh, basically, one of the things is uh, ba- uh, trying to convert these already converted people from Christianity to back to Hinduism because uh, in India, Christianity is uh, looked at, at something like it's uh, from the Britishers, and when the Britishers ruled us, that's where we got it from. It's not of our country, and our heritage is taken away, and blah, blah, blah. And so that's, that's, the, that's the idea behind it. And so our heart um, right now, doing ministry in India is not easy. It's uh, we're big targets. The, when the government came in, 
um, in 2014, one of the first things that they did, about 17,000 501Cs were canceled in India. And that included one of my, my parents' 501C as well. Basically, uh, not just 501C, but the ability to receive funds internationally. So all international funds to basically uh, Christian and Muslim organizations have been shut down. And we've been affected. And one of the best and the smartest things that we've been thinking about, I don't know how smart it is to talk about it on live stream right now. Do we have live stream? OK. Um, we'll talk about it more in detail, but uh, business as missions is one of the one of the biggest things that our heart is, and so we we started the office and we're running the office as a small small uh, business, and we've been asking the Lord of how we can use this uh, as as a avenue for ministry, and so um, uh, we're, I'm going to go into the next part of it. I'm going to show you a little bit about missions, and one of the biggest things that God has called every individual in Matthew. Anybody know Matthew what? 28, verse 19, go into all the world, make disciples. And so we're all called to do missions. Whether It doesn't have to be international. It doesn't have to be uh, far, far away, but it's in, in our backyard. It's in our work areas where we are called, what are we doing to uh, live a life of Christ, a live, live a life of sacrifice, and be able to show Christ through our lives and hopefully share Christ uh, uh, to these and witness to these people as well. And so we're all called to missions. So missions might, might look like a big thing, somebody going on a long-term, short-term mission trip, uh, and that's, how, that's missions. That's, I, I disagree with that, and I hope that most of you are already in that place as me as well, that missions is in our backyard, and it's in our neighborhood, it's in our city, it's in our towns, our states, and and extending forward. And a little bit of the stats, uh, the stats are coming from uh, the Joseph Project. Uh, they, these guys have done extensive research uh, throughout the world. And I'm going to share a little bit of uh, a quick video, and we'll go over that here soon. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify a billion people on the earth today into three Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C. C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, 
They have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So, we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right! The vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that $700 billion given to all Christian causes, only $45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well. $39 billion goes to World C every year. Yep, 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. $5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, Annually, Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? Um, there's, this, is, this video is about five years old, so there's some stats that have changed uh, from that time, but it's still, people still need to be reached. So this morning, uh, with that, my cue is to talk about our vision. Our vision for missions as individuals, as families, as, uh, as a church, and this morning, I want to challenge you guys. There's so many, uh, we, in America, we live a very, very comfortable life. Um, comforts such as where my pastors that I'm talking about, that I'm in contact with uh, almost, almost every other week, these guys talk about how they've been, uh, uh, somebody brought, wielded a knife, brought some sticks, and 
uh, kicked them out of their, under the tree and threatened them not to preach the gospel because they were teaching and preaching the gospel. And these guys, these pastors, uh, they work, work really, really hard in their, uh, during the day uh, to earn, earn their food and make money. And then in the evening, they take their bikes or they've, they've bought some bikes for these guys. And so they take their bikes, go preach the gospel, uh, to different places in the evenings, uh, spend about three to four hours going to different villages, talking about God, because simply because they love the Lord and they want to reach, out, reach to these unreached people uh, in India. And this is in the middle of nowhere, um, places where, and these guys are challenged every single day for their faith. And you and I, I went and got my Starbucks this morning before I came. I was not really challenged with anything. My only challenge is myself because I'm nervous. That's the only challenge about my faith that I had this, uh, this morning. And I, I, can't, I can't stress on how privileged you and I are. And I thank uh, all the people who have served and are serving this country for the freedom that we enjoy this morning. And this, uh, everybody needs to go to India right now. I feel like all of you need to experience some bit of this hardships to understand the level of not having something, not having food to eat uh, means. And so uh, my, my, own, my only heart this morning is that you guys realize what you guys are doing as a family, as individuals, and knowing and realizing that God has called you and I to go and preach the gospel to our people that, are, that, are, that we have been surrounded with in our work areas. And when we're driving and somebody cuts us off, I struggle with this a lot. I know Pastor Tim talks about it, but I relate to him a lot. And the, from the smallest things to the biggest thing of sharing, the, sharing and witnessing Christ. And this morning, as a church, as individuals, I want to challenge you guys. Whatever you guys are doing, wherever you guys are at, we need to be part of missions actively, and we need to be supporting and encouraging other believers uh, on a daily, on a regular basis. And um, before I close, uh, think about it. And if you want to know more information that I can't really talk about right now, uh, would love to uh, have a get-together sometime, cook some Indian food with you guys, and share more about it. But uh, the last part about it is Jaira and I have decided to move to India in a couple of years. And uh, it's, uh, it's actually going to be reality, and there's a lot of details that we'll be working through. Uh, but we, Jair and I and our family, feel very, very strongly to uh, move back to India and pursue some of the things that uh, we are uh, working right now and possibly add more ministries to it. And uh, I pray that you would uh, uh, stand with us and encourage us uh, with whatever, uh, whatever we're doing. And... Uh, yeah, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given me uh, to share a little bit about my faith and uh, what we're doing, Lord. I pray that you would uh, speak to all of us this morning as we uh, go on with our lives, uh, start our work weeks off. Help us to rem remember that we've been called to do missions. We've been called to witness and stand as a witness for you uh, wherever we are. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray.